Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Orbital Takes. Today's episode is brought to you by Space Flight Hub and Space with Spo. Today is November 29th, and we're going to talk about the Artemis One mission. We also have some big news out of the European Space Agency. We will then end the episode with a quick launch and scrub of the week. Pat, we have to get right into it. It is now the halfway point with the Artemis One mission, and they have officially broken a record. The Orion spacecraft just reached 268,000 miles away from Earth, further than any other human-rated spacecraft that has ever traveled. Uh, we are currently on day 14 of the mission, and it has been a ride. The days of doubting the Artemis program may officially be over, not completely yet because right where we left off last week uh we actually lost communication with orion for a bit i'm not sure if you saw that but it has uh since been restored and i think where we should start here is picking up exactly where we left off last week right when orion was a few miles above the moon it felt like you could just reach out and touch it right there so let's cover where we left off and remember we're talking about the orion spacecraft here right so on day eight we exited the lunar sphere of influence. On day 10, the spacecraft entered the distant retrograde orbit. Day 11, we broke the record and surpassed Apollo 13's distance from Earth. Day 12, we tested the spacecraft's guidance, navigation, and control system. On day 13, we went the max distance from our planet, which was almost 300,000 miles away. And on day 14, which is today, the deep space testing continues. Pat, aside from all these mission objectives that we keep knocking off, from a content perspective, like I said last week, this mission is absolutely fucking killing it. The photos are crazy. The videos make me want to quit my day job. Um, but I feel like all good things, unfortunately, have to come to an end. Are we uh, ready to come home yet or what? I'm not ready to come home. No, I I would think uh, I, I could do another month of Artemis 1 uh, and the incredible content we've been getting. Um, the photo of the the moon uh the the video of the moon eclipsing the earth was mind-blowing yeah. uh we've talked about how excited we are for the earth rise and whatnot i wasn't really prepared for the uh the moon to cross in front of the earth and mm. you really get a perspective of how far away orion is um that was wild dude mm. um this is uh you know could you imagine being on that spacecraft i would have an existential crisis yeah, this is, uh, you know, you say, is this is this the end of the Artemis doubters? Um, I would say yes. Uh, also, because uh, this is firmly written into law. I was just listening to an interview with Casey Dreyer. Uh, Artemis and SLS have been um, on the docket for 10 to 12 years now. It ain't going anywhere. Uh, <laughs> I think the only the only way it would have gone somewhere is if something had gone massively wrong mm -hmm. with either the launch or the Orion. The launch was spectacular. Orion has been spectacular so far as well. I just don't see this going anywhere. Um, you know, we, it's, it's a jobs program. Like we've talked about the, uh, the most kick-ass jobs program I can think of. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, we got the commercial sector pumping along doing their thing. And this is the government's answer for it. And uh, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm okay with it now. Um, you know, uh, when we see these incredible images of Orion uh, behind the moon, which is behind the earth, you forget about all of the delays and all the bullshit that we've been dealing with. 
100%. We're going to see an Artemis 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, all the way up to 100. I mean, this program is going to be rolling throughout the 2030s, 40s, 50s, for sure. I mean, this gives me a lot of confidence. Yeah. What's next for this mission now? Um, today, while you guys are listening, on December 30th at 5 p.m., NASA is hosting a briefing to preview their distant retrograde departure. And then tomorrow on Thursday, they're going to cover how the recovery teams are going to prepare for entry and splashdown. So you guys can catch that. And on December 11th, we're expecting a splashdown in the Pacific Ocean as long as the mission continues to go according to plan. Right. So that's a big TBD there. Yeah. Uh, the, what is there to really complain about other than a few minor hiccups? Like you said, the loss of communications. Yeah. There have been some things along along the way, but uh, I, I would argue that those things are are things that need to be ironed out no matter what the systems is. It's not like SpaceX flew Starship for successfully for the first time. They had, yeah. they had things to iron out as well. So I think the uh, issues that we've been experiencing are just part of yeah. part of the growing pains. So the European space agency has presented a new generation of astronauts this week. Uh, they carefully chosen 17 new astronaut candidates for more than 22,500 applicants. And in this new class of ESA astronauts, there's actually five career astronauts, 11 members of the astronaut reserve, which is new that we need to talk about. And, one astronaut with a disability and this mm -hmm. is making headlines across the globe i mean an astronaut with a physical disability has uh, that's never been done before right i mean this is opening space truly for everybody mm -hmm. a massive w for esa i love this i mean yeah we saw who was it uh it was Haley arsenault who was uh the first space flyer with a prosthetic um, although that was debated and in question, I know, but this is legitimately a person with a disability uh, going up into space, which when you're floating around in, in zero G, you know, um, does it matter if you can't walk? Um, I don't really think it does. Um, so I think this is just uh, like you said, making space more equitable, more uh, open to everybody. You know, we use the hashtag hashtag spaces for spaces for everyone. Mm -hmm. And this is we haven't really seen that yet. It's been mostly for white dudes um, of a certain uh, skill set. And that was slowly open to more diversity. And that was, uh, you know, with, with women and, and then um, uh, people of other races. And then now we're opening it to people with uh, physical disabilities. So yeah. um, this should have been done a lot sooner in my opinion, but I'm glad it's, it's being done now. That is so funny. I took this more as a learning disability. I thought they were sending somebody up with a learning disability up there. I was like, oh, <laughs> shit, dude, I take extended time on tests, too. Fuck yeah, dude. I'll be up there in a minute. <laughs> That's what I was. OK, so you're saying somebody with. OK, I don't know I if I want you piloting a spacecraft <laughs> if you need more time during reentry. Yeah, that makes you know? a lot more sense now <laughs> when I'm looking back in this article. Jesus fucking Christ. All right. You know what kind of scares me about this? So there's been less than 700 people that have I've ever been to space and my goal in life everybody knows is to be one of the first thousand people this kind of puts it at a little like oh shit you know i'm running out of time here because you got 17 people right here you know we keep sending like five to ten people every couple months here in america i mean i don't know man we're i'm running out of numbers here man i gotta get up there fast all right yeah. uh what else here oh yeah so what's next for these candidates they're basically going to train in cologne germany i thought that was cool eh, nice little mm -hmm. hometown name there cologne germany and it's going to take them 12 months to complete training and then they're going to be ready uh to go into the next phase and everything so congrats to everybody there if you live in europe big news 
why don't you go in? You, uh, you know what's kind of crazy about that is, you know, we have NASA astronaut classes every other year-ish, every third year. This mm -hmm. is the first ESA class since 2009. Wow, I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, I don't know why they, I, I guess, you know, they don't have the human spaceflight capability like like NASA does. So uh, I know that the Europeans want that and they're working on that to be able to launch their own astronauts into space. But mm -hmm. yeah, first class in, you know, more than, you know, 13 years. Um, yeah. So, yeah. You know, fun fact, uh, in 2009, I predicted that Wiz Khalifa was going to be famous and nobody believed me. Nobody believed me at the time. And now who's famous? Wiz Khalifa. He's got like 70 million uh, Instagram followers now. So I just want to say I was right about that. All right, Pat? Who's joking now? What do we got now? All right, let's go into launch and scrub of the week. You want to uh, kick us off or what? I will kick us off, yes. My launch of the week comes from the same ESA ministerial meetings that announced the astronaut class. We got XMRs back, baby. That's right. The Rosalind Franklin lander that is going to search for current signs of life on mars that was canceled by the bastards in russia because <laughs> they invaded ukraine that is back europeans said you know what russia up yours we're going to do this anyway and with a little bit of help from from nasa and jpl tbd on what that looks like mm -hmm. um but yeah they're saying you know what we have enough uh knowledge we have enough heritage in this stuff and we're gonna soldier forward so they're they're shooting for a, a launch in 2028 um so between now and then they have a lot of stuff to figure out uh how are they going to get this uh this probe off the ground are they going to build are they going to put this on the arian rocket are they going to use an american rocket that is still tbd what is NASA's overall involvement in this? We know it will likely be something, um, but you know how involved are they going to be? Uh, it sounds like that the ESA will be taking lead on this. Um, and uh, yeah, this is just great because this was an awesome piece of hardware that was going that it is literally sitting in storage right now and and had wow. no had no uh, prospects for um, for use really uh, other than collecting dust and. Um, and yeah, this is just great news for the Mars community, for space community. You know, could you imagine if we find uh, when this launches in 2028 and lands on Mars and it finds current, you know, life or yeah, fossilized current. life or something, and then the Mars sample return comes back and we're able to build upon what the Rosalind Franklin um, or ExoMars um, lander is is finding. So yeah, this is huge. Yeah, Percy's going to have a friend over there, huh? Yeah, for sure. What is your launch of the week? Okay, well, I have a launch of the week that is a reoccurring launch of the week. It's the James Webb Space Telescope. I don't know how many times we've launched this fucking telescope. Why? Is the James Webb Space Telescope cool or something? <laughs> yeah, I mean, dude, this thing is unbelievable. Um, the reason I'm launching it today, it recently snapped the chemical profile of an exoplanet's atmosphere with extraordinary detail. And we're all over this exoplanet called WASP-39b. It's about 700 light years away. And you guys might remember this exoplanet because we've spoken about it before. This is the same planet where we detected uh, carbon dioxide in the uh, in the atmosphere over the uh, summer, which was the first time we've ever done that. But now more information is flowing in and we are all over this exoplanet's clouds. We're learning so much. They're saying with this unprecedented accuracy, it's going to help us reveal the exoplanet's formation history and the James Webb Space Telescope just does it all. It's like, you want to look at the universe's first light, 
got you. You want to look for exoplanets where there might be life, I got you. You want to look for an exoplanet that you could potentially live and breathe and shit on, I got you. I mean, this thing does everything. Are y'all picking up what I'm putting down? This telescope is fucking amazing. If you want to look at some of the most distant light in the universe, you can. If you want to look at Titan, a uh, moon oh, of Saturn, about you can that. do that too. I should have cool launched that. that. How cool was that photo? I didn't think yeah. that was a thing it could do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So for those who don't know, we can throw this up on a clip. Uh, it took an amazing photo of the uh, Saturn moon Titan where mm-hmm. um, it just uh, incredible detail. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, yeah. It, it, what an incredible machine, man. All yeah. right. Let's uh, hit scrub of the week. What do you got? Yeah. My scrub of the week, ABL space systems um, scrubbed again. Uh, so this is a small sat company that their kind of shtick is they can, uh, take their rocket really anywhere where there is a flat concrete slab um, and access to fuels and whatnot. Um, but that you don't have to go through a spaceport or through, you know, Kennedy or, you know, uh, Vandenberg or anywhere like that. Really anywhere that has a flat, um, d- you know, deserted area with a, a flat piece of concrete, uh, the rocket will uh, go vertical um, and then uh, be fueled one hour later. And then three hours later, you can launch. Um, so, you know, very quick response. Um, this is a capability that nobody really currently has the ability to quickly launch a rocket from basically Mm. anywhere on earth. Um, so that's kind of their, um, their forte, um, that, you know, that's, that's their, uh, capability to be able to launch that quickly. So, um, it was scrubbed, it was scrubbed again. Um, it's launching from Kodiak, Alaska. Uh, from the uh, the Space Force uh, launch facility up there uh, as a tech demonstration mission. But uh, this will be cool once it gets off the ground. So, um, you know, not scrub of the weekend that I'm talking shit or anything, but, um, <laughs> you know, just uh, it, as it continues to to move along in the news, I wanted to, to bring that to everyone's attention because it will be a, a cool thing once it does launch. Yeah. And no humans on it, just like CubeStats and other people. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. This is a, this is a small sat launcher. This thing is crazy. It looks yeah. like a Call of Duty kill streak almost. <laughs> yeah, you know it's. I, I don't. I don't know uh, too much know. about that. How, how, how tall is it? It's like thirty feet tall or something like that. This rocket is sick. I'm looking at photos right now on uh, nasaspaceflight.com. Shout out them. Yeah. Wow. So so this vehicle is called the RS1, um, and it is raised three hours before launch. An hour later, propellant loading begins with kerosene and liquid oxygen. And that lasts until T minus 15 minutes. And then it can go. Um, This is next level shit right here. Yeah, this is a capability that no one really has currently. So uh, once they're able to get off the ground, this will be huge for uh, being able to uh, quickly respond to things. So this is ABL Space Systems. This is the first time I've ever heard of them. Yeah, they've been kind of, uh, well, obviously they haven't launched yet. Um, This is the maiden flight, but uh, this is, um, they've kind of flown under the radar a little bit. Um, but uh, once they do launch and they are able to to put satellites or sm- cube sats or whatever up very quickly, then uh, you'll be hearing a lot more about them. That's for sure. Um, I know that they have a lot of interest in Space Force and U.S. Air Force for um, quick reaction strikes. Um, maybe not quick reaction strikes. I should re- rephrase that. Quick reaction deployments of of other systems. All right. Uh, so what am I hitting here? My scrub of the week is rising sea levels. Uh, they're saying could swamp the U.S. coastlines by 2050. Uh, so NASA just had a new study that came out and they're basically saying these sea levels are rising faster than we previously thought. 
meaning low-lying coastal cities in the U.S. could flood more regularly in the coming decades. I am currently living in Manhattan. That is horrible news for me. You might be good out there in Kansas for a couple more years. But, um, yeah, they analyze like decades of satellite observations, and we're pretty much fucked. Is it bad that I don't care? <laughs> is, that, is that fucked up? Like, I, my feeling is by 2050, if I don't own like a super mega yacht, I I don't know. I've already lost, right? So I might as well just drown at that point. I don't know. That's my take on it, right? You got like basically got 30 years, around 30 years to figure out how to build a floating home. I mean, it's not that big of a deal, right? Yeah, not for me, certainly in Kansas City. We're we're pretty landlocked here, so I'm not too worried about sea level rise. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I know a lot of the the world's population does live by by coastal yeah, cities. Yeah, and, and we have our uh, our launch pad, you know, at, at the Cape. You know, that's at sea level. So, uh, yeah, definite, um, definitely a, a good thing to scrub is sea level rise. Well, another uh, episode of Orbital Takes in the books. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Pat, where can they find us online? You can find us online on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube at Orbital Takes. And if you could leave us five stars on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on, we would greatly appreciate that. At Astra, everybody.